Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we'll be this morning. And sorry as I get my microphone thing on here. Um, we will be in Ephesians 6, looking at verses 18 through 20. And um, let me introduce myself to our guest. My name is Paul Buckley. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I get the privilege of bringing God's Word most Sundays. And it's really a privilege for all of us to hear His Word. He's a speaking God. He's alive. He's Lord and He's living. And He um, blesses us with His Word. He's created, He inspired this Word. Uh, he worked through men as they wrote things that they perhaps weren't aware at the time was the very words of God, but they were. And He's preserved it for us. And, and we have excellent English translations to use as well. So uh, it's all from a God who loves to speak to us. So this, uh, this morning we come before Him. We want to hear from Him as we look at this section in Ephesians 6, 18-20. This is at the end of a, a discussion here by Paul, a teaching on spiritual warfare. So we've been spending time going through this and learning about spiritual warfare. And he's wrapping that up with these verses, 18-20. through 20. So this is the second to last message in our whole series in Ephesians. Next week we'll be wrapping up the whole book. Then we'll be moving on to a series, an 18-part series, going through the Old Testament, uh, through the key characters of the Old Testament. Trust that God will reveal Himself and we will encounter God through His Word as we do that. So looking forward to that as well. But let's give our attention to verses 18-20. to 20. Before we do that, let's pray uh, and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to come and speak through the Word to us and to change our lives. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Father, for speaking. Thank You, Father, for preserving this Word. Thank You that this Sunday, Labor Day weekend Sunday in 2016, You have designed to speak to us. And, and You've called us together and You've given gifts and grace. And, and here we are, Lord, and we say, Lord, speak, O Lord. We want to hear from You. We want to be changed by You. Bless the reading and the teaching and the proclamation of Your Word. That we might go from this place having heard from You and having been changed by You. So come Holy Spirit, dwell in us and dwell amongst us and, and dwell and manifest Your life and truth and power through the proclamation of Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for all this. You're amazingly gracious and glorious. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You can follow along on the overhead, but even better, open up your Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20. This is uh, the latter part of this section uh, on the armor of God. As Paul has been instructing them to take up these different elements, he then says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Ephesians 6, 18-20. At the beginning of World War II, the German army introduced a new sort of warfare that, that was very effective. In the past, 
generally speaking, armies had often, particularly World War I, had faced each other along these well-balanced lines, matching strength for strength, and often were reduced to military stalemates. World War I was four years of just little progress and lots of carnage. But the Germans latched onto this idea uh, that made World War II very different, the, the idea of what we call the Blitzkrieg, the German Blitzkrieg, literally meaning lightning war. The idea of a Blitzkrieg is that you use all your firepower and all your different types of weapons in a concentrated and fast-moving assault. You target usually a weak point and you seek to break through. Break through the lines and then rapidly encircle and eliminate resistance. The Germans did this very effectively with their dive bombers and artillery and tanks and armored vehicles and rapidly moving infantry. They used together in these rapid and powerful maneuvers to break through the enemy lines and, and overrun the enemy. The Battle of France, as it's called. Accomplished in one month what they had been trying to accomplish over four years in World War I. In one month, through the use of essentially the Blitzkrieg, they, they broke through and conquered France, arrived in Paris as victors. The Battle of the Bulge, famous part of the war uh, where we faced them on European soil, was almost successful in turning the tide of the war through using the same sort of techniques. Today, actually, it's, it's part of American war doctrine and used at times successfully, uh, Operation Desert Storm, the Iraq War, and elsewhere. This idea of a blitzkrieg, of concentration of power, an all-out assault. Why do I mention that? Well, I mention it because I think it's a picture, an apt metaphor for what God calls us to do as His people. And it's an apt metaphor for what we read about in these three verses. God calls us to employ, I believe, a blitzkrieg of prayer in our battles with our spiritual enemies. We are to use all types of prayer at all times to repel and destroy the enemy's onslaughts that are aimed against us and God's purposes. We've been learning about the whole armor of God. All these different elements, all this equipment. And in these verses, verses 18 through, through 20, Paul switches gears a little bit. He doesn't, he doesn't list this as another actual piece of the armor. This is an all-encompassing approach, a all-pervasive approach to warfare that is to, to inundate and shape all the other aspects of the armor. In other words, this is, this is to go alongside of it. This is part of how we use the armor. This is a context of, of this blitzkrieg of prayer that's to be part of our spiritual warfare. Concentrated and constant prayer is to pervade every aspect of our spiritual warfare. Say it another way, we must always engage in a blitzkrieg of prayer in order to protect God's people and promote God's mission. So I want to take time just to talk about that. I want to talk about this whole idea of a blitzkrieg of prayer and show you how I get that out of the passage. Sounds like a cool metaphor, but it's actually anchored in the truths of this passage. So I want to talk about this sort of prayer that could be called a blitzkrieg of prayer. And then I want to take time to talk about its target, where it's aimed, where it's, where it's focused this idea of protecting God's people and promoting God's mission. So we'll do this. We'll just go through these verses and talk about these different aspects. I think there's notes you have. You can follow along uh, there. 
it's interesting in the passage that Paul has been mentioning all the different parts of the armor. He's been using the metaphor of the armor to speak of, of things that we have, assets that we have spiritually in our spiritual warfare. And then he gets to verse 18, and if you notice in verse 17, he, he mentions two pieces of armor that are both very significant, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and, and they're real quick. And, and you might think in the pace that he has in the previous part of the paragraph that he might say, and pray as well, and then just move on. But he slows down, doesn't he? He slows down and he takes actually three whole verses to talk about prayer. He mentions the word prayer in two different forms four different times. And he actually mentions also in this section, he uses the word all four different times. And so he's given us some clues through his use of language that this is important. All this stuff is really important. All these parts of the armor are really important. We're in this spiritual battle and, and we walk out the truth of the Gospel and, and the call of God to live together as His people in grace and walking this new life. We, we walk all that stuff in the earlier part of Ephesians out in the context of spiritual warfare. So this is a concluding paragraph about how to really understand and apply the whole letter. So all these things are really important, but he talks about prayer in such a way that it, it captures our attention and calls us to recognize that, that this is not just another little piece of the armor. This is a significant aspect of our spiritual warfare. Prayer. His use of words. His use of repetition. And he calls us first to all types of prayer. He says that right in the beginning. Um, we're called to all types of prayer. Actually, in the original language, it's... Uh, Verse 18 starts with all prayer and supplication and then says praying at all times in the Spirit. So we are to pray with all types of prayer. All aspects of prayer. And then he uses the word supplication. So there are two words that are used here. That first word, prayer, is actually just the general word for prayer. It's just all types of prayer. All the forms of prayer. So what is essentially, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God, right? It's just talking to God. Generally, that's what it is. When you talk to God, you're praying. That's what prayer is. And so Paul calls us in our spiritual battles to employ all types of prayer. And there are all sorts of prayers. We can thank God. We can praise Him. We can lament. Lament is a prayer where we share our sorrows. Lord, this is awful what I'm going through. This is difficult. I don't understand it. I've lost this thing, or this has gone on. He wants us to pray that way. That's in the Psalms, isn't it? And there are laments in the Psalms that have no conclusion. I mean, there's an implied conclusion, right? Because it's to God. You'll take care of this somehow. But there are times in our lives when that's our prayer. God, this is awful. What do I do? And we pour out our hearts to Him. That's part of your spiritual warfare. When you're encountering difficulty, just to pour out your heart. To lament. We can ask for things. We can pray for His kingdom to come. The Lord's Prayer is a wonderful template, by the way, of how to pray, all the different elements. So all sorts of prayer, we could just march through. And I'm not going to do it now, but just march through the Lord's Prayer and we see all the sorts of prayer that's going on in that, that template prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with just reciting the Lord's Prayer, but I believe it's intended as a template of what prayer, the, a prayer life looks like. It has all these elements. There's praise there, right? There's remembrance of who God is. There's asking for things. There's praying for His kingdom to come, His will to be done. Asking Him to be glorified. 
And then there's praying for specific things. So there are countless ways to pray, and Paul uses that general word saying that we are to engage in spiritual warfare with all sorts of prayer. So pray. Use all those forms. Praise God. Thank Him. Remember Him. Ask for His glory to, to be extended. Lament. Ask for specific things. The whole gamut. Our prayer lives should not be stuck on just one element. And there are times when it does get stuck, right? Where we're just kind of, our prayer time might be just going through the list. Nothing wrong with the list. But let's use all sorts of prayer. Let's come before the Lord with thanksgiving. Let's praise Him before we ask for anything. Let's, let's ask Him to be magnified. Let's ask for His kingdom to come. His will to be done. Not ours, not what we want necessarily, but what He wants most of all. And let's ask for our daily bread. Let's ask for protection. Let's, let's have a healthy, whole approach to prayer. That's what, that's what we're called to hear. That's part of our spiritual warfare is to pray with all sorts of prayer. But it's interesting too to note that he also uses the word supplication twice here. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Making supplication for all the saints. Now what is supplication? That's a specific type of prayer. That's a prayer where, where we are coming before. The idea is coming before somebody who's good and powerful and asking for help. That's the idea uh, behind that word supplication. It's asking for a specific sort of help. And God wants us to ask for specific sorts of help. He is a God who cares about the details. He's a God who is Lord of every detail. There's not a single aspect of all creation over which He's not Lord and, and over which He's not intimately aware. And so, I've talked with people in the past and people who may not understand the, the whole biblical counsel about prayer. And, I, and I, you know, I've had these conversations where, you know, can I pray for you? You've been sick. Is it okay if I pray for you? And I've had the reply like, oh, God doesn't have time for that. God's got other more important things to do. Well, yeah, He has more important things to do, I guess, but, but He has plenty of time. He lives outside of time. He's Lord. He knows you're sick. He cares and He calls us to pray. He calls us to pray for such things, for, for such details. So He cares about all this level of detail. And so we are to ask for specific things. We are to bring every need. We're going to get on later on in the section and see that it's, we're to pray at all times. So that means you pray at all times. You pray for all things. You ask for specific things. I can remember actually, I, before I was a pastor, I was a research engineer, I can remember working in the laboratory uh, and I did laboratory work, I did consulting work, a whole bunch of stuff, but worked in the lab and, and coming across these thorny issues in, in lab work, and there's just so much detail that can go wrong. Um, and and there, I would come to the end of myself often <laughs> and be like, I don't know what to do. And I would pray. I would pray that the little bubble that was stuck in the tube would somehow come out and the thing would work. I mean, that's the sort of level of detail I would do. And you know what? God answered those prayers. Not necessarily directly, but in, in multiple ways. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you one quick story on that. Um, on my shelf in my office, I didn't plan to tell the story, but I will, uh, is an egg beater that's covered in rust. If you've ever, anyone ever seen that in my office and wondered what it was, I keep that there as a reminder that God cares about these specific things. I was, sorry, <laughs> I was 
story that impacted me because I experienced it. So I was finishing up my work uh, as an engineer and I was trying to get my doctorate. And God had called me to become a pastor. So I was leaving and I hadn't finished my doctoral work yet. Uh, and uh, I was running out of time. And we were doing this work with nanoparticle palladium. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean anything to you, but it's just really kind of cool science stuff. No one else had really been able to make nanoparticulate palladium uh, be plated in iron. And, uh, and so we were trying to make it work, and I couldn't get the work. And I had to finish this to get my degree. And I was uh, going to be leaving and to go to the pastor's college, and, and time was running out. And, uh, and that the equipment that I was using wasn't working. And I thought, okay, Lord, you're in control. You've called me. Um, you called me to be a pastor. We know that. I think you've called me to finish my Ph.D., but it's in your hands. And so I prayed, and I gave it to him. Actually, it was a wrestling match in some ways because I was like, wow, I may not get this and may not finish the degree. And I prayed, and I asked him for help. Well, right around that time, the machine that did this work actually broke. And now I had two weeks left uh, before I was going to be done, and no Ph.D., no finishing the work. So I prayed. And, um, and it was like during the night, I had this idea that uh, it was a special machine that, that came down. It had a plate, and it rotated the plate at a special speed, and they monitored the speeds to control all the details and stuff. And, and we couldn't get anything to plate on the bottom, and then the thing broke. Uh, and, and, uh, and then I was, it was during the night, and I thought, why don't we turn the plate this way? Then the bubbles will come off. And then we rotate the water instead of rotating the plate and measure that. And I, and, and I had never thought of this, and it was just like last minute it came to my mind. And I thought, well, what do I get to rotate the water? We don't have anything to, to rotate the, the, the plating solution. So I got an egg beater and put it in there and rotated the water, measured the, the flow rates and everything, made all the samples in two days, finished, got the characterization done, and got my doctorate. And so I put the egg beater on my shelf to remind my myself of who God is and that he cares about stuff. He cares about geeky science stuff. He cares about all the details. He cares about your life. He cares about it all. So pray and ask him for specific things. Uh, for us as a, as a church, it's so important for us to come together to do this. We as a church share prayer requests regularly in our small groups. A great place to do this. We keep Records, I think, right? Well, at least in our groups, we keep records of those prayer requests because we want to see what the Lord's doing. We pray for each other. We pray for healing. We pray for faith and strength for those going through trials. We pray for open doors to share the gospel. We pray for, for, for friends and relatives. We pray for the good of our city. We pray for crime and corruption to decrease in our cities. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for all these specific things. We ask God to do specific things in specific situations and specific people's lives. This is part of our spiritual warfare. To pray, to ask for specifics. To ask Him for detailed things. To keep a list, perhaps. There's all ways to do this. You can, you can keep a list. You can write it down. You can do it electronically. You can wing it, too, if you want. But we are called to, to pray and to ask. To use this powerful means of grace in people's lives. To, to conquer kingdoms for the Lord, to push back darkness, to ask God and to see Him answer. A few years ago, uh, Peg and I were surprised on a Sunday morning to meet an old high school friend of Peg's. Um, he was here with his wife and children, and he had been kind of a, a 
pothead. You guys know what a pothead is? In high school. And he had come to Christ. And he was actually preparing to go on the mission field and came here. And, and it was just uh, great to hear his story, to see what God had done. Um, they were going to serve in Costa Rica, and they're there to this day. His name's Steve, and his wife's name is Elizabeth. He had been very lost in high school, and it was a remarkable contrast. But Steve forgot something when he came. I had known Steve as well. Apparently during a time of heavy drug use, his heavy drug use, because he didn't remember that I had known him. He didn't remember, actually, that I had taken him to a Billy Graham movie. I had shared the good news of Christ with him. I had been his friend. I had spent hours with him. He didn't remember any of it. <laughs> um, and I had a three-by-five car with Steve's name on it. And I had been praying for him. I hadn't been praying for 30 years, but I had been praying through college for Steve. And I still had the three-by-five car. And at some point, either that Sunday or next, or some following day, I brought it out and I showed it to him. His <laughs> jaw dropped. <laughs> and mine did too. Because God answered those prayers. And I didn't know anything about it. And God was so kind to bring him here <laughs> on that Sunday to show me what sort of God he is. We're to pray and to ask and to persevere. To bring our supplications to the Lord who answers, whether we use a three-by-five or a list or we rely on our small groups, however we do it, to ask God to work. To use all sorts of prayer. And we are to pray, it says, in the Spirit. In verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit. That may seem like a, a strange term, perhaps. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I, I mean, how do I not pray in the Spirit? What, what's that look like? Well, that's a phrase that's used throughout the New Testament, actually. Uh, it's too often to list it. There are 91 instances of in the Spirit in the New Testament. And so it's not just a kind of freak phrase right here that Paul's using. It's actually a phrase that describes the Christian life. It, it describes what it is to belong to the Lord. Because to belong to the Lord means to have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are not, there's not one person in the Trinity. It's not just Jesus. It's not just the Father. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And a vital and essential part of the Christian's life is, is having the Spirit in us. And having the Spirit minister in us and through us, to us and through us and to others. To, to live in the Spirit is to be a believer. And it, it really speaks to this idea that we, we are influenced and, and enlivened and animated by the presence and power of God the Holy Spirit. And He is to enliven us and guide us in all things. It's the common experience. That's why it's listed 91 times or so in the New Testament. It's the common experience for the believer, the norm for us is to live in active dependence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not feel that necessarily at times. You may not be aware that He's at work or you're in the Spirit, but I would say every time that you are believing God's promises and obeying Him and doing His work in that, you are existing in the Spirit. You are living in the Spirit because you would not be able to believe and obey and walk in love and walk in these things and, and pray from a heart of faith and love without the Holy Spirit. So we do this when we pray. But that doesn't mean we should assume it, right? 
we don't want to ever assume God, <laughs> do we, right? Well, you know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that with other members of the Trinity. Like, well, God knows that, you know, I know he's God. And Jesus knows that we believe that we don't have to talk about what Jesus did. And we don't have to remember this. We don't have to do these. We never do that, right? That's shocking to think of doing that. Why would we do that with the Holy Spirit then? Why would we presume on him? Why, why would we ever not say, Spirit of God, fill me right now. I need your help to pray. I don't even want to start praying without your help. Help me to pray. Guide me. Help me to remember the things. Help me to believe. Help me to remember how to pray. Animate my prayer. Animate our prayer. Lead us in prayer. Help us. Empower us to believe. Empower us to ask and ask and ask again. Holy Spirit, fill us and use us in prayer. We are to consciously depend on God the Holy Spirit in really all of life, but in our prayer life. Now, I don't think this, by the way, is saying that means that we are to pray in tongues. Um, in the Spirit is not the same as praying in tongues. Um, not entirely the same. We as a church believe in the gift of tongues. Properly used edifies the believer and glorifies God. And it has its place in prayer, actually. You can look in 1 Corinthians 14. And when you pray in tongues, you indeed are praying in the Spirit. And so if you have that gift, pray with that gift. And I would encourage you, if you have the gift, pray with it every day. You have a wonderful gift to help you pray. It's not to be the entire way that you pray, but a significant part of it. If you don't have the gift, be content because you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit as a believer. And the Spirit Himself, even better than praying in tongues through you, the Spirit Himself intercedes with words, groans too deep for understanding. So he prays, he intercedes for us, he gives us power. But if you don't have the gift, ask for the gift because it can be helpful. But this isn't saying that's what it means. It includes that for sure. It means for the believer, this dependent prayer life on God the Holy Spirit and whatever particular gifts those might include or not, we are to depend on him and his strength and his power to pray. We are to pray in the Almighty Holy Spirit. So how are you doing? Are you asking for that? When you pray, when you start, are you saying, God, Holy Spirit, come fill me right now. Help me pray. Help us to pray. Do you do that in your small group? Even at the start. Help us pray, Spirit of God. Lead us in this time. To be ever dependent, ever aware, ever asking Him to guide you, to lead you in how you pray. That's part of this blitzkrieg of prayer. All sorts of prayer. Specific requests in the power of God the Almighty and always. We are to pray always. That's an important part. At all times, it says here. To pray at all times. Praying at all times in the Spirit. And then to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So the praying at all times... Uh, is to be at all times, but we are to keep alert. There's to be an, a, a diligence. We are to persevere. We are to ever be on watch to pray. To, 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 to be alert, to pray continually in all occasions, all circumstances, all situations. I would say that prayerlessness is one of the key, even perhaps chief reasons we falter in our Christian walk. Prayerlessness. This is a powerful means of grace for our lives. 
And we're to employ it all the time in the Holy Spirit. And when we don't employ this means of grace, we will potentially be in trouble. We're to be alert and always looking to employ this means of grace. When we fail to pray, we will become prey. P-R-E-Y. For the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's given us this powerful gift. This means of grace. What do I mean when I say means of grace? Well, it's a way to distinguish something from grace itself. And I want this to be totally clear. Prayer does not bring you grace. First off, grace is favor, right? Unmerited favor from God. It's blessing, un- unearned blessing from God. Prayer does not bring you gl- grace. Jesus brings you grace. Prayer is a means of grace. Jesus is the source of grace. The good news, what Christ has done, His person and His work, is is your source of grace. Christ has come and He lived the righteous life that we know we ought to live. He, He prayed to His Father and did not cease to pray. He loved others. He served others. He, he demonstrated the character of God in perfect love. He healed the sick, rescued the demonized. He taught the truth. And then He offered up that righteous life, that perfect life, that glorious life as God and man on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay the just penalty for our sins, for our rebellion, for our self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, turning away from, from God's ways. He paid. He shed His blood. The Son of God, Jesus, shed His blood on the cross this holy blood, this righteous blood that didn't deserve any punishment. He was punished for our sins. And the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they determined that God in wanting to rescue His people, that the Son would shed His blood and die in their place and then offer up His righteous life as a sacrifice, an offering, that in Him we might be forgiven and counted righteous. And when we turn away from self-effort, turn away from sin, in faith, say, Jesus, I believe, I receive this. We are credited with His righteousness. We are completely forgiven. And we are attached permanently to a source of eternal grace. And what He did in His death and resurrection was so glorious and so good and so satisfying to the Father and so complete That in Him we have everything we need. We have all grace. He is God Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the source of grace. And whether we have a good prayer life or never pray a lick, we have all grace in Christ. Prayer does not earn you grace. Christ earns you grace. He earned it. We just believe and receive it. It's an amazing, amazing truth. That in Him we have all grace and it's free and it's full and it's always there it's like a giant reservoir a giant mountain reservoir of fresh cold water that belongs to each of us and there's more there than you could ever consume but when you pray what you do is you turn on the tap that connects to that reservoir and you start to experience it and you and you enjoy it and you give it to others that's what you do when you pray so pray is so praying is like that, that spigot, it's the pipeline. It's a means of grace. It's not grace itself. And all of us have 
a big old faucet. And it's not just a spigot. It's like a fire hydrant that we can open and enjoy all the time. We have a drought we're going through right now. It's very serious. Wouldn't it be awful if we had a mountain reservoir and nobody was doing anything to water the places that need watering? So why do we ever hesitate to open up the fire hydrant and to pray and ask God to, to pour out blessing, to ask God to rescue, to ask God to supply, to ask God to help us, to ask God to give us wisdom. We're to be alert. The reality is, guys, that, that we live in a war zone. And He's given us everything in, in, these, in these different aspects of the armor and in prayer. It's right there for us. We have it. But we've got to be alert. We've got to realize, you know, we're in a war zone. And there's going to be attack and there's going to be things going on that are wrong out there. I need to be alert. I need to persevere. I need to be ready to employ this means of grace. And avoid any ambush of the enemy. Without prayer, without these means of grace, the enemy's going to ambush us. And we're going to lose. At least in the short run. Every now and then, God lets me get ambushed. And I think it's to keep me humble. Need to stay humble. I have lots of reasons to be humble, but somehow I forget them. Um, and he also reminds me through these times just of my need to pray. This past vacation, I had one of those experiences. I was on the Saco River with my family and friends, and and um, and I I had all my gear just to kind of have a nice time in the Saco River. I had my inflatable raft. Um, I had my sunscreen on. I had my my sun-resistant trunks, swim trunks, and my shirt. I had my sunglasses. I had my safari hat to cover me. I, I have to try to stay out of the sun. And I had this wonderful raft in this beautiful place. And so I got in the raft, and I was floating down the river, just going to enjoy the river with everybody. And, um, and, and it was all going great until I encountered four uh, young teenagers who thought it would be really funny to jump off the bridge over my head right next to me on top of the old man in the raft. I, I saw it happening as I was kind of coming under the bridge. I saw what was going on. They were scrambling to get across the bridge in time to be over me, and I heard them saying, quick, 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 jump. Um, and, and I'm trying to paddle to, to not be jumped on. And it was at that moment right there that I could have used this message because I should have said, Lord, what do I do here? They're going to jump. How do, what, what are you doing? You're in control. I need your wisdom. Help me. But I didn't do that. I wasn't alert. And instead, I reverted to my old self, which says, what a bunch of punks thinking they can jump on me. Somebody needs to put them in their place. That's what went through my mind. It wasn't quite that, but that's more or less what I thought. And, and what I did is I just reverted to the old me. I mean, it, it wasn't terrible. 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 It was just terrible. Uh, I, I, um, I basically made threats of bodily harm if they continued to jump on me. And they stopped. But they had entertainment for the next hour because they got the old man angry. And when you're that age, I was, and I used to do the same sort of things. You know, right? Oh, boy, it worked. Now I got an old man angry. And for the next hour, basically, they tormented and taunted me because they called my bluff. Because I wasn't really going to do that. You know, it, it just wouldn't have worked out too good for the old man to get out of the thing and do, you know, ninja moves against four young teenagers and stuff 
At least in my mind, it looked like that. It probably wouldn't have happened that way at all. I just knew I couldn't go there. I had started something I couldn't finish. I started something in the flesh, and I just, you know, I, I realized after I had cooled down a little bit that, okay, that was stupid. Um, what do I do now? I could have called the police, you know, and stuff, and, and they would have come and probably cleaned things up, but I was like, oh, I'm not sure if that's the best thing for these young men to do. So I actually did pray for them, um, and I repented uh, in that. I mean, I still had to sort through what went on, and I think the core thing was I didn't pray. I was prayerless. And so the, all that I had was me. This is the old me, not the new me. Um, and uh, so I prayed for them, and I still pray for them when I think of it. And by the way, uh, I'm a relatively safe person to be around, just in case you're concerned. Um, it's only every once in a while that <laughs> those sorts of things happen, particularly when I don't pray. So you can remind me to pray. But I, I share that because I think all of us have those moments, whether or not they're quite like that. Um, they are similar. Whether you're angry and you lose it, or, or, or you go into deep anxiety, or deep frustration or depression at times in dealing with adversity, right? We all face those things. And I would say a big part of that is that we don't tap into this endless supply of grace that God gives us through prayer. And we're not alert and persevering. And he calls us through this passage and elsewhere to tap into this, to be alert, to pray at all times. And so the right thing would have been, Lord, help me right now with these kids. I know it's going to happen. Give me wisdom. And I've had, thank God, I have stories like that in moments and even wonderful redemptive things. Just think about what God could have done had I prayed and I had an opportunity to interact with them and we share about Christ and so forth and so on. God does that. He answers those prayers. And that's what he calls us to do. How He calls us to live this way. That's part of this blitzkrieg of prayer. Praying at all times. Now there's a target here to do this quickly in all this prayer. A couple things that are going on that Paul calls them to pray for. He calls them to pray for all the saints. Making supplication for all the saints. No, this isn't that they should pray for St. Anthony, St. Peter and Paul, and so forth. This is saints in Scripture. It uh, means the holy ones, the set-apart ones, the special ones, God's people. And in particular, the emphasis here in Ephesians is this local church. So I would understand this. I think we ought to understand that. It says pray for all the believers in your life and all the believers around you in your local church specifically. Pray for all the saints. Ask God for them. Make that the target of where you pray. You're accessing grace and you're bringing it to bear in their lives. And the saints need your prayers. There's all sorts of saints in all different places. There are the saints that are doing well. They're encouraged. They're growing. They're productive. They're loving others. They're sharing the love and truth of Christ. But you still need to pray for them. Because they're only doing those things by grace. They need your prayers. Your prayers are a means of grace to them that they might continue in those things, that they might remain close to Christ, that they might be effective and grow even better in their gifts. The saints need your prayers. There are saints who are struggling saints. They may seem like they're barely saints. Their faith is weak. Their behavior may not be that different than the world. They're not making much progress, perhaps. We need to pray for them. We need to pray and ask that they would grasp who Christ really is and who they really are in Christ. We need to pray these ways and line up with Ephesians. We could just use the book of Ephesians to pray for them, that they would realign their identity and lifestyle around Christ and the good news of Christ. Pray for protection from the wiles of the devil, temptations of the world, the weakness of the flesh. They need our prayers. 
Those are the two poles. Most of us live in between those two poles, right? We have days where the, we feel like we're barely a Christian and days when we feel like we're great. And all those days we need each other. We need the prayers of one another. And that's why we come together. That's why we build relationally here in our church. This is, Sundays are our time of celebration, meeting the Lord together, celebrating all that we have, being reminded by His Word, instructed in His Word, worshiping in sacrament, all these things. But, but this is really the celebration. The life is out there the rest of the week together. And so we build relationally as a church together through those normal parts of life, through our small groups, which are meant to come alongside, so that we can be aware of each other, we can know each other, because you're not going to know what the saint beside you needs for prayer unless you know them, unless you build a relationship. And so in our small groups, that's what we do. We build together, we share prayer requests, we care for each other. And I'm so grateful for you guys and what you do in that. Um, I... I'm aware as a pastor of a lot that's going on in our church, good and hard things. And I must say that pretty much in every circumstance, I'm also aware of what you guys are doing and how you're praying for one another. And people will tell me that. I'm so grateful for all the people praying. And people will ask for prayer requests. I'm grateful for you guys that you do this. And it's powerful. It's powerful. I, I feel your prayers, the fruit of your prayers in my own life. There are times when I share specific struggles with, with others and, and, and I'll, I'll experience a difference as I know they're praying for me. Just a sense of all of a sudden power to overcome something that I'm struggling with. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for, for being faithful, to for using this wonderful means of grace in each other's lives. That's part of the target, the saints. The other part is the mission. Paul requests for himself uh, as well. He needs their prayers too. Uh, for Paul, his mission as an apostle, his part of the mission as an apostle, landed him in jail, and he was possibly facing death. That's, that's what was on the horizon, perhaps, for him, is death. And he realizes, I can't do it on my own. Isn't it interesting? I mean, he just, he just wrote this letter. It's an inspired word of God. This is, this is a superhero guy, you know, Christian superhero. He's fantastic. He's been serving the Ephesians. He's just amazing. And he's recognizing, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I need you to pray for boldness. And the word is kind of bold, clear. It kind of goes together. Freedom, actually, is kind of what the word is. I need freedom in preaching the gospel. I need this boldness. I need this clarity. I need this ability. I can't do it on my own. Left to myself, I'm going to be shaking in my shoes and I'll deny Christ. I need Him and I need you to pray for me. Isn't that interesting? He depended on this church, and they depended on him. There was this interdependence. And he, he identifies himself here as an ambassador, an ambassador in chains, which is a, an irony. Um, he's an ambassador in chains. You know, Paul doesn't do that in, in the letters because he's really into his titles or how great he is. You know why he talks about things like, I'm an ambassador in chains? Multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons, he wants to be an example to them. He wants to call them to follow the same. So when he says that, he's not saying, I'm the guy doing the mission work, you're the prayers. Yes, indeed, that's true. But he's also saying, you guys are ambassadors too. And you need to be praying for each other. You need to pray for each other. Just like I'm asking for boldness and clarity where I am in jail to proclaim clearly and boldly, pray for each other. 
ask God to give each other power in wherever your mission field might be, your neighborhood, your job, your family, that you would be bold in sharing the gospel. That you would experience power. Guys, we need that. We need to be praying for each other to have boldness to share the gospel, to have the love in our hearts to to take the step beyond what the culture might say. The culture says, go in your house and just retreat and be happy in there and don't reach out to your neighbors. That's kind of where the culture has gone in many ways. The love of God should fill our hearts and make us want to build genuine relationships. Not relationships that are there just so that we can surprise somebody with the gospel, you know, like a like a cold bucket of Gatorade dumped on a coach after a game. You know, we're just going to dump that cold bucket on their head one day when they don't expect it. No, we build relationally. We love people genuinely. But we still need that boldness and that clarity. We need the love in our hearts. And guys, you know the reality is God has determined that a prime and essential means of grace is prayer. And if we don't pray for each other in this area, we're not going to be successful. We're not going to look like Christ. We're not going to love our neighbors. We're not going to have the boldness. We're not going to have the ideas and the initiative to think, how can I do this? So pray for each other. Pray for each other to be faithful and fruitful and loving and sharing the gospel. Loving others and sharing the gospel. Pray in your small group. Share regularly who you're seeking to build with, who your friends are, and that God would work. And it would empower you and strengthen you. I can only imagine what God would do through that. This Last Sunday, I talked about this idea of praying for open doors. and So I prayed this week, about four out of seven days, so just so maybe that makes you feel better. If you missed some days, I mean, you don't have to do this. But I've been praying in the morning, Lord, give me a chance today to share the good news with somebody, to tell them about you somehow, or to reach out and just be a friend. And, and actually, I had a number of times where I was just with friends, you know, friends who don't yet know Christ, and just being a friend, loving them, so that went on. But I also had a wonderful time uh, on Friday, uh, and I don't know if they're here, but I uh, got to meet two young Mormon missionaries. All the, all the missionaries are usually young. Um, and we sat down together in my office and, and uh, had a wonderful conversation, and I talked about Christ. I went to Galatians, and I talked about how amazing it is that in Christ, all of our sins are atoned for. There's none that aren't atoned for. And all of our righteousness is in Him. And we can be free in Christ and then walk with Him. One of the things in... in um, the Church of Latter-day Saints, they, they don't really get grace. It's, and, and there's a lot of other stuff messed up too. I don't mean to say there's nothing else. But for them, experientially, day to day, they live in this place where I've got to try my best. And if I keep on trying my best, I'll be okay. It's yes, they believe Jesus died for some of my sins, but it gets messed up. So I just talked about Christ, had a wonderful conversation, and they listened and had this great interaction. And I just share that because God answered my prayers. I didn't expect, I haven't seen Mormon missionaries in like, 10 years, and, and uh, through circumstances, Susan Fadham led them in here, um, which is okay to do, by the way, uh, and I had a great time. I just share that because when we pray, and when we pray this for each other, God answers. And so let's ask God to make us like Jesus, to make us so love people and so speak boldly that we touch people's lives and they're changed. This is what we're called to hear. That's what this passage is about, if the band could come up as we close. We are called to use this wonderful means of grace, this blitzkrieg of prayer, effectively to protect God's people and promote God's mission.
Before we close in song, let's just take a minute to silently ask the Lord, is there one step that I can take in response? Is there one thing? Maybe it's just, you know, I'm encouraged. That's good. But maybe there's some practice you can employ or strengthen. Let's just do that. Perhaps write that down and pray and say, Lord, help me in this. Ask ask God the Holy Spirit to help you in this. Let's do that for about a minute and then we'll close in song together.